Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we are delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, it is a it is a sunny but very cold day in in January here. How, how are we feeling today? Nice and warm inside. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I've not been outside in 24 hours. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I made the mistake. Uh, yesterday morning was very cold. And I like went to take the dog for a walk. And I like didn't know how cold it was. So I just went out and like short, basically what I'm wearing now, like shorts and like a sweatshirt. Ooh. And as soon as I stepped outside, I was like, oh, it's a mistake. Like the, <laughs> the wind like blew the door open pretty hard. And I was just like, this is gonna be a very quick walk because I can't feel my my legs. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's good to be back with you guys as we continue with our season almost said season three, season four. So let's get things started with our question of the week segment. If you'd like to submit a question for us to answer, you can email us at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's number three. Then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. This episode's question comes from our friend Jen, who asks us, what's your favorite or funniest verse in Proverbs? So I've not read Proverbs for a minute. So I'm going to go ahead and pass to you guys while I think of something. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate this question, Jen, because yeah, Proverbs is a very interesting book. I I have three quick ones, one serious and two funny. So um, right off the bat in Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It would it will be a healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. Uh, I've always thought this verse really speaks to me in terms of like, uh, I can't rely on myself. I need to rely on the Lord and acknowledge his sovereign sovereignty and uh, who he is and who I am. So I just really, really like that. So that's on the on serious side. Uh, on the the funny side, I, I don't know what other translations have, but in my translation in Proverbs six, uh, chapter chapter six verses six through eleven, it says, "Go to the ant, you lazy bones. Consider its ways and be wise without having a chief or officer or ruler. It prepares its food in summer and gathers its sustenance in harvest." How long will you lie there, O lazy bones? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed warrior. (laughs) All right, tell us how you really feel. Lazy bones. Also go to the ant. Go to the ant. The ant lazy bones. Because the ants work. They don't sleep tirelessly. Pay attention to When you first said it, I was thinking like someone's (laughs) aunt. (laughs) <laughs> we'll talk to the aunt she actually works hard <laughs> got two jobs uh the third one is a callback to our our season who the she bears ate um yes proverbs 17 verse 12 says better to meet a she bear robbed of its cubs than to confront a fool immersed in folly I didn't know that was there. <laughs> it's in there. It's in there. It's in there. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Um, oh, I love that. Um, so I think 
one of the classic ones is just Proverbs 12, 1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. <laughs> and and for, up. As, so yeah, just like for any part of scripture to ever call anybody stupid is hilarious because <laughs> it's such an it's such an abrasive word. Um, but a couple other ones that I like, Proverbs 16, <laughs> Proverbs 1630 is so goofy to me. Um, whoever winks with their eye is plotting perversity. Whoever purses their lips is bent on evil. <laughs> and so my warning <laughs> is all you winkers out there need to knock it off. <laughs> Cut it out, you nasties. Cut it, get, get it together. <laughs> get it out. Get out of here. <laughs> like you are embarrassing yourself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Love it. Oh, and then this last one. Uh, Proverbs, sorry. There's a lot of funny ones, actually. Proverbs is, is pretty freaking hilarious. Uh, Proverbs 27, what is it? 27, 27, 5. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. And I just thought like of a couple arguing in a, <laughs> or like a, a spouse going to their spouse like in public <laughs> and, and chastising them about the way that they lived. And like, I, I wish, I wish you would pick up after yourself in the house. Like, honey, we're, we're in public. Can we? We're at McDonald's. <laughs> Can we do something else? Like, can we go home? <laughs> this doesn't seem appropriate. <laughs> oh, love it. But yeah. Those are good ones. I, yeah, I, I need to dig more into Proverbs. So I, did, I get, there's one that I, I really like. And like Charles, the one that you, um, so like, trust in the Lord with all your heart, be not in your, your own understanding, um, is one that I like as well. Um, there's one in Proverbs 1, verse 7. This is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And there are two things that I really like. One, uh, just a reminder for me of just the the idea of the concept of like the fear of the Lord. It's not something that like is we don't talk about as much, I think, in Christian culture today. Like there are a lot of attributes we like ascribe to God, but fear isn't one that we spend a lot of time talking about. So for me, it's a challenge always to have a healthy fear and reverence of who God is. And so I, I like the very succinctly, like, kind of makes me think of something that I need to consider more. Um, and then, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's just another reminder of, like, humility, of, like, seeking out instruction and, like, being corrected. And so much of Proverbs is that. Like, so much of Proverbs is, like, wisdom is great. Actually, like, personifies wisdom, and it's, like, chase after her and, like, things like that. And so I, I know it kind of sets a tone for the rest of the book um, that I really like. I don't have any, like, funny ones that I was able to look at other than the ones that that you guys said but yeah there's a there's a lot there there's a, a huge push to get back into Proverbs as it is such a wise book um yeah I dig it I'm also very happy that there's more references to, there's like a clear she-bear motif throughout scripture <laughs> oh man well let's get into this week's passage which is from Matthew chapter 13 verses 24 through 30 if you have your Bibles and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. Jesus' use of parables often demonstrates his understanding of even the menial aspects of his disciples' lives. Agriculture is often a theme for people who would have known it as their livelihood, and in this parable, Jesus outlined the farmer's worst nightmare, discovering his good crop infected with weeds. Jesus uses this to highlight his sovereignty in the face of difficulty. He who has ears, 
let him hear. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servant of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us to then go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So it's worth pointing out in my translation, the word tares loosely translates as weeds. Um, so just not just unfruitful crops that are growing in the midst of the good crop. So gentlemen, what can we learn from this parable? Just actually to add on to your commentary there, Jarrell, um, um, a commentary I read mentioned that the tares or the specific type of weed actually resembled the wheat in the early stages of um, its development, of the development of the crop. And that once as the wheat and the tares or this weed mature, um, it becomes a little bit more distinguishable. So as the, the weed, the tear matures, it, it, it differentiates itself from the actual wheat. Um, and I find that interesting. I think it, it really does, you know, at a basic level suggests um, that there, there's wheat. I mean, there's, there's wheat and there's weeds. There's weeds among us. There's the, the, the work and the fruit of the evil one that surrounds us. And it might be hard to observe and to discern um, and that means we need to be aware. We need to be discerning about where we're finding um, the kingdom of heaven around us and, and acknowledge that like sometimes it's, it's hard to distinguish, it's hard to discern because it could look like the kingdom of God because um, the evil one is, is crafty and he does that. But there, there's, a, there's a sense of a discerning mind that we have to have um, as disciples as we journey in this life and as we kind of try to pick and choose where I'm going to place myself, um, where am I finding the kingdom of heaven? That is an excellent commentary. I did not know that, Charles. Thank you for for sharing that. Yeah, uh, agreed. Um, just as a piggyback, yeah, if you Google tares, they look almost identical to a wheat plant. Um, so thank you for the like for uh, elaborating on that note, Charles. That was beautiful. Um, yeah, it, it seems like it's essentially a parable about like how to handle this like discerning genuine how to interact with genuine disciples versus maybe someone who's in a disingenuous disciple um but one of the, well, the one of the first questions that stood out to me was from the servants sir uh did you not sow good seed in your field um how does it have tares um and so i think there are two different ways or at least two that came to my mind um of reading into this line of questioning from the servants one is either doubting the owner's handiwork, um, and two is just having an unassuming and innocent confusion over the results of the owner's handiwork. And so obviously the landowner is God in the situation. Like the, the parables typically present God as either a loner, an owner, a landowner, a master, something. And he always has servants. And so I kind of think I'm leaning towards both. I don't think it necessarily matters because both actually have lessons in them. Um, if it's scenario one, if it's 
um, a doubting the a doubting of the uh, master's handiwork, um, then it's relatable because I think there are times when we all sort of doubt. Okay, God, you're allowing this to take place. I thought your hand was in this. Why is this go? Why do things seem to be going oddly right now? Or why does sin seem to be creeping into the situation? Uh, excuse me, into the situation. Um, and so that's relatable. And we get to praise God for patiently forbearing being accused of doing something poorly, right? Like he forbears our ignorance of his handiwork or the times in which we doubt how things have played out. If it's scenario two, where it's just like an unassuming and innocent confusion over the results, um, then that means that these hypothetical servants in this parable aren't wasting time doubting God's character or abilities simply because they see something that's gone wrong with the crop. Uh, either way, the two options are good for, I think, all of us to consider because they teach us something, or they at least taught me something praiseworthy about God's character and something valuable about the character that I should have as a disciple. That God's character, that God is patient when he is wrongly accused, but um, as a servant of God, I should also not look to situations always panning out the way I hope they do um, in order to, like, know and trust that God is still in it, if that makes sense. Amen. Yeah, I had a, I had a similar reflection on that that piece of it. And it took me to a few different places. And just the notion that God's response to seeing wrongdoing or evil in the midst of his good crop is not to panic. Like he does, like if, if I was, like I said in the, in the intro, if I was a farmer and I noticed that I'd probably be like pretty concerned and like move to like this immediate, oh, I need to hurry up and get these out of here. But when the servants ask like the owner of the field, like, do you want us to get rid of these? He's like, no, like in, in time, like when it's time, I'll send like reapers to bundle the tear and burn them. And I will take the weed into my barn. And so it speaks to, yeah, this sovereignty of God that is not phased and is not surprised by the evil in the world. It's not to say that he doesn't care about it. It's not to say that he doesn't notice it, but Ultimately, he sees things from a perspective that we don't, that even on our ends and our human side, where if we're tempted to panic, or it's like your point, Eli, wonder like, well, did you actually argue about good in this situation? God sees it from a plane where he's not worried, um, because his sovereignty is such as that he has ultimate victory. And it's like, in reading this, I thought about um, Paul in Corinthians, when he talks about like the thorn in his side. And he says, like, I prayed three times that the Lord might remove it. And God said to him, like, my grace is sufficient for you. And so whether in like troubles and persecutions, and you list a bunch of them, it's like, in, in you, my power will be made perfect in your weakness. And so there's a sense that like, those kind of trials, not only is God not phased by them, but through those, his power is made perfect in the brokenness of the situations, in the brokenness of even the disciples in that. Like James talks about um, enduring persecution so that like our character and, and God, I'm misquoting it, but that's so that our character would grow and so that we would found to be made perfect and equipped for good work. So James kind of said necessitates uh, some sort of suffering or difficulty in the Christian walk. And so it just has so many parallels to so many other individuals in biblical history and also other like analogies that are given. Um, 
all of them kind of pointing to a God who is sovereign, who is unbothered um, by like any kind of intent to so uh, like I guess misdeeds or whatever is in his people. Like I, I thought, so I thought about all of that. Then I thought of like Jesus on the cross saying, it is finished. And I thought like in Revelation, like God saying he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Um, and just a sense of the ultimate victory is in God and that is not in doubt. Um, what we do and how we respond to like the tears in our midst is a way that we then grow closer to him. But there's something in there to have, to be able to rest in the fact that, you know, the owner of this field like has it and he's not worried about like the ultimate health of it. And we can kind of rest in that. Um, so that's a lot of what I got out of it. But I do, so to the point that you made, you opened us with Charles, I had a question around that. The, uh, the analogy here of tares looking very much like wheat until a certain point. Um, and that kind of, like the word you used, Charles, was discerning. It calls for a certain discerning um, discipleship. I wanted to ask you guys, what do you think are tares in like our walk with the Lord, either collectively as a church or just things as individuals that, you know, without discerning, you could be uh, convinced that this is something of God and then it reaches a certain point, you're like, oh, that's actually, that's just a weed. So I guess, have you, have you experienced any tears in your life? Or do you see any tears in the church today that we should be aware of? I know I kind of threw, threw on the spot there. <laughs> it's a good question. And it's probably one that is worth just, uh, praying through and thinking about uh, each one of us, including our listeners. That's a, that's a good kind of meditation question is I think there is something about this parable that's uh, a bit of a, a flashing warning, like this exists in our life, and we need to be aware of it and make sure like, as you were talking to all, I was like, I was thinking about how, whatever that might be, what it what is the tear, it can often, I've, I feel like, generally, the tear, the weed, the thing that isn't of the kingdom of God, looks like the kingdom of God, it looks like it's of the, of the Lord. And if we let it grow and it with enough, it can become an idol. It can become something that we um, put in place of the Lord. Uh, but think that like this is th this is right and just and of the Lord. Um, we've talked about it before, maybe in sound checks. Um, I'm not sure if we've done it in episodes, but there is this idea of um, uh, God over country this national patriotism that i think we're seeing very much so uh play out in 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 certain groups of people in our country right now where um you know america is god's country and so i think that 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 sense of nationalism patriotism can definitely be it like oh our country was founded under christian christian guys and and principles and therefore this is god's country and um it's like, well, okay, that's certainly, there's certainly a sense of truth in that. Um, but God isn't American. Uh, God doesn't care about like national borders or anything like that. In, and honestly, one of the first things that came to mind um, was not what, what is a weed, but maybe what's missing. And I think it's a unity, you know, in that is uh, a sense of like, Americans, nation, our nation, our country is better than others. And like in the kingdom of heaven, there is no such thing.
because Christ died for all of us. We are all brothers and sisters. If we proclaim Christ as our Lord and Savior, there is no nationalism except for the kingdom of God. We are under the banner of love that Christ love, uh, won for us. And so um, I think anything that takes away from the unity of the body of Christ, whether that's what I just discussed or something else, I think can be easy to mistake. Um, and, and it would be a mistake uh, to kind of uphold whatever that is, as opposed to the unity that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. I think my answer to your question of what is a tear, um, or what, what, what might the church be too eager to uproot too quickly, at least from an American Christian perspective, I think there's a culture to American Christianity that Christians might be very um, quick to want to safeguard. And they immediately put up walls and make it difficult for uh, people who aren't believers yet to even want to come in. They may, there's a point where I think Christians make God unapproachable, um, where it's like you need to have all your ish together before you come here. You need to not do this before you come to this church. You need to not do this, that, and the other. It's like, well, actually, no, you don't. Um, Christ ate, and, and, and we keep going back to this, but like Christ mingled with sinners for all of his ministry. Um, he was with people who were not about him. And by being light in darkness was able to I could be this very attractive, very beautiful thing. And yes, he had dissenters and yes, he had people who disagree with him. Yes, he was ultimately rejected. But like there were so many people who were turned. And I think when the church says, ah, if you live this particular way, you're not welcome here. Um, then they are more afraid of their church being seen as a place where sinners are welcome. And then they are afraid of God saying, you didn't go to the depths of the places I told you to go to. You didn't go to the people in who were in sexual despair. You didn't go to the people who were struggling with their identities. You didn't go to the people who um, were poor and who stunk. You didn't go to the people who were hideous and who were sick. You didn't go anywhere I actually told you to go. And you stayed comfortable and you stayed safe because you were more interested in remaining clean or remaining clean in quotes and comfortable rather than loving people who are ugly and hard to love. Because believe it or not, you were ugly and hard to love. Not that you were difficult to love for me. I love everyone. But you did not come to me without brokenness. And I, I don't know. I think the American church needs to learn how to love ugliness a lot more. Um, and yes, like there's going to be challenging moments where you have to say, all right, well, this is what it means to be a disciple. This is not what it means to be a disciple. You don't have to like not be firm on that. But to tell people like you're not welcome here unless you already subscribe to what it means to be a disciple um, is unbiblical and actually is wicked. Amen. Yeah, I I resonate strongly with what you both said, Charles. I think the uh, nationalism or miss. I think there's a there's a miss like a, a broken association uh, with countries, specifically America and Israel, and I think that incorrectly uh there are a lot of a lot of the church kind of sees america as like oh we're the nation of israel it's like we're actually not 
Um, and in the same way that God, when the Israelites are wandering through the desert all over and over and them says when they're, when you're going into like the land of like the Hittites and the Jebusites and so on, like gives them instructions for how to live there, but also be rooted in him. I think that that's a posture that more of us and more of the church, uh, in America needs to take on of like, we're, this isn't home. Like this isn't, this nation is not God's chosen people. God's chosen people live in this nation and other nations across the world. And that's like, to your point of unity, that is what we are bonded to. That is what we are loyal to. It doesn't, doesn't mean that you can never be proud of where you live. Detroit is the greatest city in the world, but like my loyalty and actual home is from heaven. And I'm not going to kind of supplement that or try to supersede that with like love of country. Um, and so I think there's a lot of that kind of growing up where those two have been associated very, very closely for a lot of other reasons we'll get into in a totally separate season of this podcast. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think that there's, it's not something that gets noticed until crazy stuff happens, until it's very clear to your point that it's like, that's an, that's an idol. Um, and I guess, the, so I was thinking about that, uh, Charles, I want to elaborate as much on that point. But the other one I thought of, uh, is, and you kind of led into it, Eli, um, is within church culture, I think that sometimes, you know, James says faith without works is dead. And I agree with that. I think if we're talking about having faith in God, but we're not willing to actually do things that demonstrate that faith, well, then like, what good is it? But I think that sometimes uh, there's a culture around works in the kind of, I'm using air quotes here, <laughs> Christian things you do growing up in the church or growing up in a Christian community that in themselves can kind of become tears because if you glance at it, it's like, it's not that it doesn't look like it's a bad thing, but it depends on where the root of it is. And sometimes the root of those are just in, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I do it. And it never deepens into, I do this because I love God. I do this because I know who God is. It's more like I do this because I think just in doing it, I am made right with God. And so it kind of, it can become a false sense of security, it can become an idol, it can become something where people believe themselves to know the Lord just because they've ticked a bunch of boxes. And it's like, oh, I'm in my church's youth group, or I go to, I do service projects from time to time, or uh, I help with like the worship team and things that are very, very good. And when done out of a love for God are excellent. But if it's coming, if the root of that is just how it looks, and appearing to be holy to people, or if the root of that is um, just trying to fit in, or if the root of that is like, this is what I think I'm supposed to do, but you're not actually engaging with it from a genuine place, then that can kind of grow up and reveal itself to be an idol where it's like, you get to a point in your life where you realize, oh, I did all this stuff, but do I know the Lord? Like I did everything that I thought I was supposed to do but did I miss Jesus along the way? And so like, to be clear, I'm not saying, you know, don't do those things. If you're involved in your church, excellent, stay involved in your church. If there are ways that the Lord has called you to serve, do them. But make sure that the root of that, the good um, crop that's planted there goes deep into the Lord himself and not just in keeping up appearances or looking a certain way to your point, Eli, so that you can fit in. Um, because if not, that's work that will get gathered up and burned and whatever's left uh, is going to be like what you have. So yeah, I think there's a, 
a definitely a danger there within just Christian communities to go through the motions for a considerable amount of time without actually connecting with who the Lord is. And that's something to be watched out for. Yeah. To kind of, uh, kind of piggyback off of that thought, Jarrell, um, in, in verse 29, the, the landowner says no, uh, in terms of like the servant saying, do we want to gather the weeds? And the master says no, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot, uproot the wheat along with them. And so to your point, I think there's something about the, like checking yourself, like checking what's the intention. Um, and I, and thinking about the parable, like there are both in terms of the tares, the weeds, there are both things that are visible above ground where we can say that's a weed. But there's also, especially in the early stages of this parable where they look very similar, there are those invisible roots that can impact our discipleship and our journey. I think that's what you're talking about here, Jarrell, is what's the intention? I love your point about being like, do, do you know the Lord? Like, did you miss the Lord on the way? And that's kind of the, the stuff that isn't seen, that only we as disciples and in our relationship with the Lord can kind of identify and make sure that we're rooting out um, because it's not something necessarily that our brother and sister can call out on us. So, you know, we have a good friend who says, when we share transparently in our men's group, you either look good or get help. And some of that, that intentionality and, and self-discovery is not going to be called out, is not going to be seen by brothers, brothers or sisters, um, whatever the case may be. So we have to, I think there's a call to be aware ourselves that the intention, the way that we go about, um, the way that we live out our faith is, is something we have to be aware of and make sure that the root itself is not um, misaligned um, and is not a, a root of, of a tear or a weed. Amen. Well said, bros. Well, that is all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. You can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Pod- Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus content. We'll talk to you next week here at the Well. <laughs>